Opinions expressed by the host or guests are their own and are not endorsed by either radio station KRLV management or any of their advertisers. It's time for Heat Wave Sports. Sit back and relax as you take a tour around the world of sports each and every Saturday and Sunday night. And now, your hosts for Heat Wave Sports, Tim Unglesby and Tom Martin. Heat Wave Sports, Fox Sports Radio. Las Vegas, Tim Unglesby and Tom Barton with you. Hopefully, we've gotten the technical difficulties out of the way. It sounds good so far, so fingers crossed. Anyways, Tommy, before we were uh, cut off, your your last little run about the Baseball Hall of Fame. Yeah, look, uh, you know, I, I was telling you, I don't know where exactly you guys lost me here, um, but it's absolutely worth going there. It's absolutely uh, worth going there in the summer or the winter. It doesn't matter. Just get there. And it's so much more than the Great Hall uh, with all the plaques. and It's so much more than that. I, I love the Great Hall. And it's fantastic with every plaque I could sit there. I, I tried to read as many as I could with a, a, a seven-year-old boy <laughs> who didn't want to read every single plaque, only the guys he knew. Um, but there's there's great for the kids. There's interactive stuff. There's you know, just the amount of history is mind-boggling. And like I said, I'm going to do a YouTube video this week about the one thing I didn't like the Hall of Fame. Just to give you guys a quick glimpse, there's an area that is representing the steroid era. Um, and then, Tim, you have A-Rod, you have Braun, you have uh, McGuire, Sosa. You know, th- there's an area that is representing that. And then across, right across from that, which isn't in the steroid era uh, case, is a jersey of David Ortiz and a jersey of him uh, from, you know, the World Series. So they decided to not include David Ortiz into the steroid guys, quote unquote, which I find a, a really tra- just a travesty because his entire career was built on steroids. So that was the one thing I could walk away from and go, uh oh, I'm, I'm going to start having a problem because you can't put David Ortiz in the Hall of Fame and not put in the rest of these guys. And I already start to see that the Hall of Fame itself is kind of gearing for this. The one thing I do want to say, Tim, and we'll get into this, um, <clears throat> one of those. One of those February marches where we're kind of looking for content, right? And there's not a lot going on. The Baseball Hall of Fame have these big, giant boards where anybody that walks into the Hall of Fame gets to answer a series of questions. Some of them are about pace of play. Some of them are about the designated hitter. Some of them are about Pete Rose. Should he be in the Hall of Fame? Shoeless Joe and whatnot. So I got some pretty good info and pretty good statistic. Let's just say that most of most people that went to the Hall of Fame almost an overwhelming amount, do not want the, the steroid players in the Hall of Fame. They do, however, want Pete Rosen. What, what about my guy Barry Bonds, though, Tommy? Well, Bonds has his own little section, and it is kind of interesting. Bonds and Clemens are very lightly regarded. Um, Bonds has his section with all of you know the accomplishments that he had because there's a record room. So he's highly represented in the record room. But not really represented in the steroid uh, area. Um, not really represented throughout most of uh, the Hall of Fame. Bonds and Clemens, weirdly, outside of their records, which you can't take away from them, weirdly uh, are very lowly represented. This is a spot where the record room is one thing. Outside of that, the, the Baseball Hall of Fame really did shy away from steroids. And I expected them to not see them at all. But there is one case where basically the steroid regulation includes guys 
um, that were big time steroid users. Ryan Braun is in there. There's a picture, uh, you know, he's not enshrined into the Hall of Fame, but he certainly is in the Hall of Fame. Well, like you said, once we, we know what the class of 2022 is going to be, we'll talk about it on the show. But, I, you know, realistically, you have to think that, and I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, Tom, that this is the last chance to go in on this ballot for Bonds and Clements. So we're looking at a situation where later they would have to be voted in by the writers. Is that correct? Yeah. And, and you know, I've always said, not to get into this conversation on an NFL night, but I've always right. said, have a solution. We talk about this on the show all the time. Have a solution. I think it's perfectly okay for the writers to invite them in. Um, if you go to the Great Hall, there are sections, and it's sections of when guys were elected in. There's no harm in having a special section for the writers to put them into the Hall of Fame. It, it, you know, put in the, the steroid guys into a Hall of Fame, separate them away, and I wouldn't invite any of them to come to Cooperstown to talk. Don't give them the day. Just say, okay, you're in. And I would do the same thing with Pete Rose. I always said that about Pete Rose. Give him a plaque, put him in the Hall of Fame. Don't let him have a Pete Rose day. Don't give him the notoriety of, of that. Kind of just put him in under the radar. Um, and, and I would do the same thing with them. My, my thinking here is that Bonds and Clemens eventually will get in because of what they did before steroids. But I wonder who's going to break kind of the mold. Yeah, A-Rod eventually will get in also. But who's going to break the mold? See, if... If the writers put in David Ortiz this year, then how do you put in David Ortiz and not Bonds and Clemens? Right? Mm-hmm. Bonds and Clemens both are in the same kind of position as David Ortiz. Ortiz failed the test. We know that. Uh, there was speculation that Ortiz failed more than one test. Well, Roger Clemens and Barry Bonds. Barry Bonds never failed the test, right? Except for Balco, which is the same exact list that David Ortiz has done. So I wonder who's going to kind of break that ceiling. If it's not Bonds or Clemens, how can it possibly be a guy like David Ortiz? Right. And we already know, Tom, because we always preface it every year when we do our our uh, Hall of Fame show. If it were up to you, the Hall of Fame would be half the size it is now. <laughs> I told my son, he said, wow, you know, this is big. And I tried to tell him, I said, it, it is big. I said, there's a lot of guys. I said, but it's really such a small percentage. And when we were going through the, the Great Hall the second day, and I was going through uh, with Abby um, and, and my daughter and whatnot, we were walking through, and Abby was asking me about some guys. And I was literally just walking through the, on the plaques quietly. Don't worry, there's nobody else there. And I was going, doesn't belong, doesn't belong, doesn't belong, doesn't belong. <laughs> and she said, geez, you wouldn't put anybody in. And I said, no. I said, that's one of the big funny things over, uh, you know, my heat wave uh, decade plus career is that my Hall of Fame would be uh, about one half of the size that it is. Well, I'm glad you had a good uh, little bit of time off. We're back how was at your, it. Uh, how was your break there, Tim? I know you had to work on New Year's. Not exactly the worst thing in your <laughs> no, in your profession. <laughs> it was a uh, nice scenery. We'll put it that way. And um, you know, it's always good to take a little break during Christmas with the family and uh, ah, just relaxed. You know, it's uh, when you, when you get to our age, Tom. It's good to have days off here. And I know you don't do it as much, but a day off here and there serves you well. But like I was Jones in to go back to uh, I was I was ready to go. And you know, we had a couple preemptions which we have a couple more coming up but you know that the the good thing about it was we, we had a solid full weekend and then we had christmas off and, and you know here we are we're back so but it was a nice breather and um i'm ready i'm ready to talk some football man yeah me too i i'm 
I'm chomping at the bit. And, uh, you know, it, it's pretty funny because college football goes on. And I, I sat back and I said, man, I hope we get some good stuff happening on Sunday because this is this is going to be hard to just sit back and hype up an Alabama-Georgia game if we have to do that. <laughs> and we had some absolutely ridiculous games today. A lot to talk about. Well, we'll do the bowl championship series title game re- uh, preview next Sunday. But uh, sorry, I was joining. Right. Well, I mean, we already. What do we predict this when the when they were announced? We predicted it because exactly how the weekend went. Alabama steamrolled the Cincinnati team that we knew was going to happen. I, I was. Were, were you shocked that Michigan didn't put up more of a fight in that game against Georgia? No, you know, I wasn't only because, look, I, I think everybody wanted Michigan to. It was just a bad matchup for them. I think if mm-hmm. Michigan played Alabama, they would have had a shot. I think if Michigan played Cincinnati, they would have won. Um, I, I was I, just in a, in a mind of Georgia's coming off of a humiliating loss. You're getting them at the ideal. I mean, that, that was the craziest time. Yeah, I, I'll tell you what, if Alabama played Georgia last week, Georgia wins. But you look forward, you go, wait a minute, you know, I don't know if they're going to win the championship game. But coming off a team that that is that good, coming off an embarrassing loss and getting to sit on that embarrassment week after week after week and sit on that embarrassment, I wasn't shocked just because of the way that it kind of played out. So I just wanted to say something real quickly, and I'm sure you agree with me on this, that when, when and I know we had kind of touched on the whole cancellation of games during, you know, with, with the NBA and the NHL especially, and how the NFL didn't cancel any. They pushed them back a couple. Although, funny, this week nothing happened, right, Tom? But the the college bowl season, and I'm not even going to use the pandemic as as the whole reasoning for this. I want to kind of encompass, encompass it in, in a few more things. And I want I want to, if I'm wrong, uh, I apologize, but I believe it was Kirk Herbstreit that had said something to the effect of that the players that opt out of these games, Tommy, you know, for for example, Kenny Pickett, the quarterback at, at Pitt, because he's going to go pro now, and um, that they don't love the game of football as much as they, they love their career, which is a business, right? So how about just the whole bowl season itself this year was just a complete sham, right? Got teams just – bowl games being canceled completely, teams moving from one bowl game to another – you had a bowl game in San Diego canceled literally four hours before kickoff. And, and just the quality of play, I think, in a lot of these bowl games. Don't, don't get me wrong. You know, New Year's Day had some good games. I, I thought there were some really good football games. But the quality of some of these games, because of missing missing uh, the top players that could have been there or the fact that uh, COVID took out chunks of the team, you know, really disappointing. And I, I won't even, like, just narrow it down to this year because I think – if we just took a five-year, let's take a five-year size, uh, a five-year size sample of college bowl games. Would you agree with me when you say, when I say that not only we've already we said there's too many bowl games, but just the quality of the bowl games themselves are not as good as they used to be. That they're they're pretty terrible, actually. Um, what I I used to believe in the past, and maybe it's from being younger, Tim, um, and not really understanding what I used to like in the past is the crazy matchups that you could have. Oh, this guy's got a grudge against this guy. Oh, this is a coach that left the other coach. Oh, this is this is a fun style against a different style, you know? This is a crazy up tempo against that. I used to like the mismatches in bowl games. You don't get them anymore. 
right? The best bowl game that I watched this year was exactly that, a total mismatch of styles. Iowa's defense against Kentucky's offense um, in a game where I had Kentucky minus three, so I got to push. So, but I watched every second of that game, and I said, this is the kind of game that I like to see where Kentucky's high-flying offense against Iowa's big-time defense. Who's going to win? I like those kind of games. There is no more mismatching. Now, it, it's the bowls are looking for who can sell tickets because people still aren't coming to the games. The, the bowls are not about this could be a good matchup. This could be a fun game. It's all about, well, well this team probably doesn't deserve it. No, we'll, we'll just take them anyway because their team travels well. Or, well, you know what? It doesn't really matter. We, we, we want to get this, this team going. Um, Utah-Ohio State was a fun game. Mm-hmm. It was a fun game being played. But, Tim, was there any hype about Utah-Ohio State? I mean, are we kidding here? Yeah, we couldn't do better than Utah-Ohio State. And this is nothing against Utah. But they were a completely unhyped team. So while the game wound up being fun and Utah deserved to be there, Utah-Ohio State doesn't move the needle for anybody. Now you give me Ohio State-Notre Dame, I'm watching. Right? I mean, that's kind of the... The idea that I used to have with the bowl games. What is actually funny is that early on, I thought that this year, I said, man, these bowl games are getting off to a good start because it was the underrated teams. It was the teams that nobody you know, was paying attention to um, in these fun bowl games early on. And then all of a sudden, what happens? You know, you start getting into, well, they have to go. Why, wait, wait, why does they have to go? Well, this is the way it is. You know, I understand why the bowl games have well, this selection has to go for that. And then, you know, the team that finishes fourth in the SEC have to play the team that finishes fifth in the ACC. I understand why they do that, but they should use that as a guideline as opposed to uh, put this in, in stone. I just think that the matchups, and you're right, it wasn't just this year. It's been for the better part of a decade now. The matchups are just unappealing. They're not fun. They're not entertaining. And you look at the matchups and you go, yeah, yeah. You know, look, I'll give you two teams this year, Tim, that I would have loved to see play. Now, look, I'm not telling you that either one of them even deserved to be in a bowl. How would you love to see Florida State against Texas A&M? Jimbo Fisher against his old team. That would have been a fun bowl game. Now, I believe that in the past, Tim, we used to have kind of those kind of bowl games. Oh, that's going to be a good one. You know, Jimbo against Florida State. Oh, that would be fun. This year, no, no, none of that. Um I look back and I go, you know, give me, give me the three bowl games that before time, not that they played out really well, that before time you had to see were must watches. You can't find them. You just can't. I think before they changed the rule, right? You had to, so you had to have a winning record to make a bowl game, which generally most of these schools play twelve games a year. So you had to be seven and five and. I get it. People are like, well, what's so good about a 7-5 and five team? Well, sometimes, because based on a lot of these conferences, you know, you're talking about uh, two losses, maybe three sometimes, where they're losing by under a touchdown. So a 7-win team could have theoretically been a 10-win team. So then they changed the rule to if you're 6-6, six and six, you get to go. Right, Tom? And, and, what, and people want to say, well, what's the difference between a 6-win team and a 7-win team? There's a big difference. And I know it's hard to imagine that, but really there is. And I think you saw that a lot in these games earlier in the bowl season, these, these barely 6-6 six and six teams making it. In fact, when they had cancellations, Tom, they're looking, they were looking at five-win schools to fill these spots. It, it's just I, I don't get where the money's coming from because you said it. 
most of these games I watched this year, there weren't full crowds in these stadiums. No, not at all. I mean, you have, think about it like this. You had Rutgers go down, right? Uh, Rutgers at the last minute. You think Rutgers was traveling with, with, with like 48 hours notice? You think that their fans were traveling? No. All right, so that was a fill-in. No problem. I looked at the stadium. The stadium was, was basically empty. But when you have Kentucky and you have Iowa, those are two good schools. You have an opportunity to go to Orlando, you know, for the holidays. You get to go to Disney. Isn't that a destination trip? That should be. It was 87 degrees. It should be a destination trip all the time for everybody. There, there, there's no COVID going on in Florida. Right? I mean, this should be a complete destination trip for everybody. Tim, that stadium was half empty. Stadium was half empty for two schools that travel well, for two schools that this bowl game was a pretty important bowl game in a destination spot. So, you know, you turn on the Rutgers game in, in, against the Awake and you go, okay, I understand why that stadium's half filled. But if you can't sell out Orlando in, you know, this late December for Kentucky, an SEC team that really had a good year, and Iowa, you got some problems. Right. How was that yeah, Las Vegas ball? How, how, how was that? I It looked to me, from the look on TV, it looked about 60% filled. Yeah, I'd, I'd say that's fair. I think they said it was, I want to say they, they said it was over 30,000, but. How much does the stadium hold? Was it 60? Is that about okay. right? Okay. Yeah, yeah that's about, that, that's what I said, about 60% filled. If you wanted, wanted to argue with me 70%, I would say, okay, that's fine. But yeah, I think that's, that's about what it is. Again, Las Vegas. For the holidays, you know, was it two marquee teams? Absolutely not. But it's still Vegas for the holidays. Why is that not selling out? Because you just there's just no interest. Yeah. Uh, there's just no no pizzazz there. I, I think what they need to start doing is really mix, mixing and matching and kind of finding the matchups that would be entertaining. I can tell you this, and this is I'm just going back to my my former example because it's just a good kind of matchup. If you put Texas A&M against Florida State in Orlando, the building is selling out. As bad as Florida State was this year, just because of the matchup of, oh, we got to go out there and beat Jimbo. Just because of that. You, you take Lane Kiffin and you go put him in like the Superdome, people are going to go watch that just because it's him. You know, you, you have these interesting scenarios. What about, you know, you're looking for bowl, uh, bowl games. Tim, well, let's throw a bowl game together. How about LSU-Notre Dame? <laughs> yeah. you, you want a bowl game, right? You want a cool yeah. bowl game? There you go. I know. Listen, I know that that the, the bowls are already set and, and whatnot before time, but there. My point is that there you can mix and match and find some interesting bowls instead of being tied into these pure. Here's what it is. There's no pizzazz. There's no chance of winning. How many bowl games do we talk about? We go. Yeah, that team doesn't even care if they're there. Oh, seventy percent of them, right? Yes. Wanted, I want to ask you real one quick, one last question on, on the uh, the bowl situation. What did you think on New Year's Day of seeing your, or uh, right before New Year's, excuse me, about seeing your old buddy Bob Stoops out there coaching? Wasn't that great? It was. Yeah, that was kind of cool. I, I mean, you every now and then you get a, a cool situation in sports where. It's not, look, it's not a smart situation. It's not going to do anything long-term. It's just cool, right? It's just, uh, look at what Antonio Brown did, which we'll talk about in a minute, was just moronic, and we're going to remember that forever. 
But there are certain situations that are just cool. And, and I remember this happened to Wisconsin. Uh, Barry Alvarez came back. Remember that? Um, yeah. and, and it was just it was just cool. It was just a, a cool moment to come back. And Bob Stoops coming back. Uh, and I, I like that you call him my friend, you know, the last time I tried to get him on my show, he was like, no, because <laughs> it was all the controversy was going on. Um, but but yeah, you know, listen, just, it was a cool moment to see him on the sidelines. It was just a, a fun football moment. No one's going to remember it at the end of the year, Tim. It's not going to be in one of those uh, sports highlights that all the shows do about the, you know, the cool things that happened and the best plays and everything else. But I'm glad you brought it up because to me, it was that kind of moment where you just go, oh, I looked to the past for a moment. It, it, essentially, look, when you're a team like Oklahoma, right, you want to win your bowl game. It's, it's There's money involved, and it's a good opponent. Oregon's a good opponent, right? And uh, that was a good crowd, by the way. That was a very good crowd. And you already have your coach coming in. We already know that. The new coach is coming in. But we need a coach for this game. Let's call Bob. See what he wants. If he's even willing to entertain this, so he comes back. Not only do you win the game, right, right, Tommy. The guy hasn't coached in over two years. Not only do you win a game, but you watch your son catch a touchdown pass in this game. I mean, you can't write better, better storylines in this. It was awesome. What what a week for them because then uh, Mark Stoops goes out and finishes one of the best three year runs in the history of Kentucky. Right? I, I yeah. Mean, absolutely awesome. And. and you know, you look at a guy like Bob Stoops, and it's not just because, you know, I've had him on the show and, and you know, I, I do talk to him here and there. It's not because of that. I do think he's one of the most underrated coaches in football history. I, I think when you go through the list of the top 10 all-time football coaches, well, he's not going to be there. But is he one of the top 10, 15 during my lifetime? Probably. But he's not going to be looked at like that. But you do see... That the people in Oklahoma know exactly who he was uh, coming back. That you saw that energy, that fever, that that excitement in the stadium. You mentioned, oh, that was a sellout. I think they sold quite a few more tickets when they knew Bob was coming back for a game. Yeah. Not not to make it the Bob Stoops show, but since since we're talking about him, here's the guy, right? Tommy spends uh, what close to twenty years at Oklahoma. He gets a national title out of the deal. So, he, you know, you put him up there. Like you said, is he in the top ten ever? Maybe not. Uh, if you wanted to push it, maybe right at the right at the ten spot, right? Um, but a guy that never – look, I, I know, and you know, Jerry Jones flirted with, with trying to bring him in. The guy never took that step. But the closest he got was the XFL. And, and I'm sure I don't even know 100%, Tommy, if he wanted to do that, you know. So here's a guy that was happy with being a college football coach. Well, and the last time I talked to him, I told you that, um, you know, last time I spoke to him, I said, you know, Bob, do you want to coach again? And um, <laughs> he really made no qualms about it. Yeah, I would. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's as close to, uh, yeah, I, wa I, I want to. Yes, of course I want to. Uh, when Oklahoma had the opening, I, I actually thought, you know what, this is a perfect opportunity for Bob to come back. I thought that that was going to be the door uh, that to, to come back. But, you know, the more I thought about it, why would he go back to that program? He had so much success. Lincoln Riley's had a lot of success. Now they're going into a tougher conference. If he comes back and he fails, he tarnishes his legacy there, right? So I don't think he's ever going to take a full-time coaching job again. Um, but I think the offers are certainly there. Uh, but like you said, he wants to do, he wants, he wants to stay in college. Uh, he wanted to stay in college. I still 
you cannot convince me and Bob cannot even convince me that he didn't want to leave. I think that it was a force out, maybe not in the way that Bobby Bowden was forced out, but it was a force out. It was a push out. And I think Bob could have continued. And, and I think he would have continued to have sec- success there for a long time. Well, we'll have our preview of the national title game next Sunday night here on Heatwave Sports. So let's shift over because I know we want to spend a great amount of time here on week 17 because I think the playoff picture, as muddied as it was the last few weeks, we've gotten a pretty good clarity now with 14 spots available, Tom, 11 are sewed up. That means just three next week will be decided. And, I mean, we could even throw in tomorrow night's game with Cleveland and Pittsburgh. Cleveland out, but Pittsburgh hanging on here. So they need to win this game. But um, before we even jump into it, let, let's just get it over with because you said it. The A guy like Antonio Brown tries to be the story of the day, Tom. What, what the hell is going on, man? And this is not a surprise, right? We're all We're not surprised by this. No, not at all. And I can tell you this. It's really easy to make fun of Antonio Brown. It's to take some shots at him at this point. I did. (laughs) I took a shot on Twitter because what I'm watching, I'm going, what the hell am I watching, right? It's really easy. But the guy's got mental problems going on. I mean, he's he's a basket case. And Tom Brady after the game, you know, I, I just don't get how people could not like Tom Brady. Tom Brady after the game, bigger man than I would have ever been because the Antonio Brown quit on Tom Brady during the game. And Tom Brady, after the game, said, basically, you know, look, don't judge the guy too harshly. Like, like let's take it easy right now. You know, be, be easy on, on Antonio Brown. Um, for those that don't know, Antonio Brown, literally, Bruce Arians told him he wanted to put him in the game. Antonio Brown said no. They didn't even get into a yelling fight. That, that was enough to send Antonio Brown to rip his shirt off, take his... Uh, shoulder pads off, leave them on the bench, walking out into the middle of the field, walk past the dugout, waving goodbye, shirtless, got into a, the reports were he got into a, a, a police car outside, still shirtless, and then he was seen finally dressed and looking for an Uber a little while afterwards, all before the game ended. Um, Antonio Brown is is got problems. I think the one thing that you could say is, you know, my friend Josh Teller from CBS Pittsburgh uh, had alluded to this multiple times. I talked to him. What, what an amazing job Tomlin did for nine years dealing with this guy, right? I mean, uh, you look at Mike Tomlin is the only person that was able to control him. Not Brady, not Arians, uh, not the Raiders, not no, nobody. Nobody's been able to reel him in. Tomlin kind of reeled him in for a little while. But I think that we all realize with Antonio Brown, look, the guy simply has mental problems. He... You know, maybe maybe it's it's just a pure fact of this is a guy like an Ocho Cinco that got too full of himself, got too high on himself, got got to believe the hype. Maybe it's that. Maybe it's a guy that has realized, you know what, uh, my time is kind of running thin. I, I am a sideshow. Maybe it's that, or maybe there is something really wrong with Antonio Brown. So I'm not sure what it is, Tim. I I, I just think that. You have to be a friend of his. Is anybody out there that knows him, that knows him personally, take his phone away. Go get the guy help. You know, I saw really quickly afterwards, Brooks Kepka wrote, uh, I, 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 my prediction is that in 2022, Antonio Brown will be fighting Logan Paul. And, <laughs> I, you know, and, and that's kind of what we're all waiting to see is, 
what is this guy going to do next? Because he's not just going away, right? So, you know, Dancing with the Stars and The Voice, and he'll be on something because someone's going to continue to keep giving him a platform. But that's the problem. Everybody knows that, and Antonio Brown knows that. Antonio Brown knows I could rip my jersey off, be a complete jerk, basically retire from the NFL to half, but I know that my next paycheck will be coming around the corner. I know that all I have to do is go do something silly because I'm a name and I can continue to do this. So, you know, you know, I, I'm kind of glad for the Bucks that he's gone. On the field production was still there this year, but I'm kind of glad for the Buccaneers that he's gone. I think he, no matter what, is always a distraction. Think about this. We only see this half. <laughs> How much is going on besides this half? That is something I want to take a look at because it's going to come out eventually. Maybe in six months, maybe in a year, maybe in five years. Someone's going to write a tell-all about how the Antonio Brown spiral really went down in, in Tampa Bay. I, I Look, I agree. I think there's a problem there, right? There's obviously a mental issue there. I haven't seen any documentation supporting that. And if I missed it, I missed it. And I, I see people on uh, social media, oh, don't, don't come on down. Don't come down on him. He has a mental illness. We should support him. I get all of that, Tom. I don't have a problem with any of that. And you're right. If, if that's the, the issue, they do need to find help for him. Here's my problems with it. And I don't even – I tend to believe it is an issue, Tom, because you see guys like Mike Evans trying to calm him down and, and you know, get him to, to get back into, into the mode of, of trying to play here, and, and he couldn't do it. You know, if, if he was that big of an a-hole, these guys wouldn't be doing that, right? Le'Veon Bell said that he didn't even know that – Basically, he was off the team until after the game, and he texted him, and they talked via text. So there's relationships there. So I would I would tend to agree to say that there's a mental issue there. Here's my, my big thing on it. If, if this was an issue, don't these guys have to go through some type of screening and testing, right, Tom? When they're signed, they have to pass a mental exam to be ready to go. And I'm not even trying to blame Tampa for this, Tommy. So do, do I – I want to say that's an issue, but then again, there's part of me that thinks just like you also said that sometimes people just can't get out of their own way. Terrell Owens, Chad Ochocinco, those type of players who had issues as well, just like this, right, Tom, where they're bigger than the football game itself. Was he mad because he just didn't feel like playing and he's not going to have Bruce Arians tell him what to do? Was he mad because he didn't get to play the few series before that? He didn't get enough reps thrown his way this game. He only had two catches. Those are the things where we really don't know what's going on behind the scenes, like you said, how he is uh, during practice or, or in the locker room. We don't know any of that. And, and sometimes people like that, and I think Terrell Owens is a perfect example. So. The show themselves is what they want it to be, right, Tom? They make they decide that it's for show. And I think maybe there was partially an issue with him, but also I think maybe partially he wanted to do that. Well, a couple of things. We'll go to Instagram, and uh, right afterwards, AB puts up, uh, Antonio Brown puts up, AB, big mad. So, yeah, something something irked him. And, by the way, you bring up Terrell Owens. Uh, somebody likened it and said, well, you know, Antonio Brown's basically Terrell Owens. And Terrell Owens took real offense to that, being like, look, I always wanted to play. I was always there to play. So even Terrell Owens is like, yeah, this guy's a disaster. <laughs> you know, the one thing I will say about your screening question, and this is a little bit off topic, but I'll, I'll give you a an example about your screening question. I don't know how it goes in the NFL uh, as stringent. I don't know from a psychology standpoint, 
I'm a talking head on the radio, right? I'm, I'm not a psychiatry major. I, I don't do any of that. But I will tell you this. After 9-11, I joined the Army, um, and it was – I was older. The only reason I'm telling you that is because I was older, okay? I wasn't massively older, but I was, I was older. Uh, so I was in my mid-20s at that time. And you had to go for the tests and, you know, the evaluations before time and the physical test, and then you go through, through the mental test. Uh, I was taking the ASVABs, and in that class, there were multiple people that couldn't spell their name. And, and I'm not joking, Tim. It, they, they, they couldn't spell their name. And I was very, very close friends with my recruiting officer. I'm still friends with him. You probably see, um, you know, he writes on my Facebook all the time. And, and I said, Gene, how are these guys going to pass a, a mental test if they, they, they can't spell their name? And his response to me, basically, and I don't want to throw anybody under the bus, was if the Army needs guys, they're going to make sure they pass the mental test. Yeah. So, you know, if the NFL needs players, they're going to make sure that they pass. I don't think that Antonio Brown is suffering from something uh, that, you know, is something that, that we should all be going, oh, my God, I'm concerned about his well-being. I'm worried about him. No. I think he's suffering from something that, uh, you know, is, is going to be undetectable to the, somebody that doesn't really dig in deep. And like you said, these guys are trying to help him as they're, they're almost friends. You don't hear a lot of people coming out and bashing Antonio Brown as a teammate. And he's a jerk that he's this, this kind of evil person. You don't hear a lot of that going on. What you just you see are these wild antics. So I tell that story only to kind of tell you you know when you're asking you know what is the the mental evaluation process somebody with that much talent tim that the face of the nfl and tom brady is telling you hey i want this guy to bring him along if there wasn't something obvious mental wrong with him well <laughs> they probably could push it through and i get it tom right the mental disease over time you deteriorate and it gets worse and worse right but it wasn't like he's had these before, all right, let me take it a little bit step back. So, other than the fake vaccination card, right, which I don't even blame on mental illness. I mean, there's people doing it left and right. But he's had a pretty clean stay with the Chargers the last couple of years, right, Tommy? He won a Super Bowl with him, had a touchdown in the Super Bowl. He's been pretty quiet. So, so um, if you look at his, you want to call it a rap sheet, it's not like this guy is is the uh the number one citizen that these people want to feel sorry for him about right and, and people are going to say well you're going back years about this i'm not going back that far i'm going back two years he he got in fights with his teammates in pittsburgh he didn't want to be there anymore so they got rid of him right so he goes to, to vegas or oakland at the time i believe he he gets injured because he got frostbite and then didn't want to wear a helmet okay so that, that run was shortened. He signs with the Patriots. We all liked that move. We thought that was a great move. And we, there were some uh, s sexual assault allegations come up. So Belichick does what Belichick has to do, right? They didn't even play there. They, they got to let him go. And then he gets, he gets in trouble for assault and battery. Right? So it's not like we're talking about a stand-up citizen here. But he's been pretty good with Tampa, right, Tommy? So without i just think it's great how everybody claims it's this is mental illness but i've never seen anything documented to say that so that led to my question on where are these testing for tampa i didn't blame tampa because pittsburgh had to do it right tom uh, oakland had to do it new england had to do it and tampa had to do it so he passed all these tests is there a problem or is it him 
that need oh, needs to be him. seen, you know? Yeah. It, it's him. I mean, you know, it, it's it's him. Yeah, look. <laughs> you know, we could blame, and this is uh, the outrage from the mental health, health organizations are going to come flying in on me right now. But so many times mental illnesses are real. They need real attention. They need evaluation. They need medication. But there are a lot of times that mental illnesses are brought amongst yourself. Um, and they're not really qualified as full mental illness. I don't know if a psychiatrist is going to look at Antonio Brown and say something seriously wrong with him. I don't think he took a weird game <clears throat> and something went wrong with him. This could just be a case of, look, a young man getting way too much money, believing way too many things about himself, surrounding himself with yes men all over the place. And we've seen it happen. And Antonio Brown might be the kind of guy that in 15 years from now, 20 years from now, says, man, I regret a lot of those things. Right? He might be that guy that goes, oh, shouldn't have done any of that. Look, Terrell Owens, you just brought him up, is offended that we're talking about Terrell Owens in the same respect as Antonio Brown. Well, there you go. <laughs> right? I mean, to, Terrell Owens is a guy that, uh, you know, people thought had, had a screw loose as well, for lack of a better term. And look at what happened to him. Jalen Ramsey is out there today punching guys on the field. His own teammates. Oh, by the way. Right? Nobody's worried about Jalen uh, Jalen Ramsey, who's got multiple problems like that. Some of these guys, it's not mental illnesses. Some of these guys, it is, look, you just got too much money too fast. You believe the hype too much, and you think that you can do no wrong. And then when the NFL kind of shuts you out, which they will now to Antonio Brown, they're going to shut him out. They're going to push him aside, and then we're going to really see the real story. You know, it's funny how the narratives in sports are always turned to what did everybody else do instead of the person himself, right? It's always, it's always what, what was the problem? What was the issue? What did the team do? What did Brady do? What did Bruce Arians not do today? Uh, what, you know, what did the mental health incidents not do? What, 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 what didn't happen instead of just pointing at Antonio Brown and saying, no, it's just him. He's just a jerk. I, I liken it to, to, you know, the Colin Kaepernick situation. A lot of people who say, oh, look at what Colin Kaepernick. No, no, Colin Kaepernick did that to himself, guys. He had an opportunity to play football. He wanted to be paid more than what the contract was. Don't sit back and say, Colin Kaepernick never got a chance. No, he got offered a contract. He just didn't want to play for the, for the, the price that they gave him. He did it to himself. Antonio Brown, at the end of the day, might have problems, might have some situations, but he did it to himself. And I think when all is said and done, Tim, the Antonio Brown situation is very easy to evaluate. He doesn't like being told what to do. He didn't like Mike Tomlin telling him what to do. He didn't like it, uh, uh, Ben Roethlisberger telling him what to do. He doesn't like Bruce Arians telling him what to do. He didn't like the NFL telling him what to do, right? He doesn't like anybody telling him what to do. And when you start to push back, well, your career ends. And today was Antonio Brown's retirement. That was my biggest thing, too, is that you have all these supposed mental health experts on social media saying the guy needs help. I, number one, he never said he had a mental illness, okay? So let's take that out of the equation. Number two, if there is that situation, and, and if people truly believe that by, based on his actions that there is an issue there, okay, so be it. Somebody, somebody shouldn't be online saying to take it easy on the guy for basically quitting on his team. He quit on him. And why isn't Josh Gordon's name going around as having a mental illness, Tom? He has the same off-the-field issues, right? His are, are substance, obviously, or problems, but... He's not the best teammate either. Terrell Owens was definitely not the best teammate. That that was never thrown around. I understand why Terrell Owens is mad about that, and I actually agree with him on it. But 
I'm not going to say he doesn't have a mental illness, Tom, but I'm going to say that he quit on his team today, and you're right. He's done. There, nobody's going to take a chance anymore. How many last chances do you really get? Yeah, there's no way. There's no no chance. You can't quit. And forget about quitting on your team. You can't quit on Tom Brady <laughs> during a potential championship run in the middle of the game. <laughs> in the middle of the game, Tim, you know. I, I mean, you know, and again, to show no remorse. I, I don't know what Antonio Brown's angle is here. And here's the thing. I don't think he does. I think he's a massively reactionary type of guy massively reactionary that's just like okay I'm gonna do things my way because he's always gotten when you have that kind of talent Antonio Brown uh, is, is living a, a cherished life right I mean he's gotten opportunity after opportunity after opportunity after opportunity he's got nothing but opportunities back to back to back to back he's got nothing but second chances and third chances and fourth chances because when you have that kind of talent the reality is in the world you're going to continue to get chances. You know, one of my problems, and, and I always say this, and it sounds like a broken record, but it's true. We in this country love to applaud the guy that fails and then come back and, and succeeds. You know, you always go, oh, man, you know, that guy had a problem, but now he's back and he's succeeding. Oh, But nobody ever seems to just applaud the guy that never had that problem, right? Yeah, no, 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 he's, he's perfectly okay. The guy that never you know, has that, that drinking problem. Well, he doesn't get applauded as much as the guy that came back from it and he's sober now. That that guy that never did, decided to go and quit at the middle of the half, right? And he's just a consistent teammate. You know, he might be unhappy. He's not going to get the attention that Antonio Brown gets. Yeah, you know, The guy that never cheated on his wife, right? And just was, was faithful all, all the way through. Well, you know what? Hey, that guy, you know, he used to cheat, but now he hasn't done it in 15 years. He's a good guy now. He gets applauded. We just live in a society where we like to see the elites fail and then build themselves back up. And Antonio Brown is that guy. He continues to fail, continues to shoot himself in the foot, continues to get second chances, third chances, fourth chances. And every single time that it happens, what do we do? We build him back up. There was a time this year where I was saying it, you were saying, man, Antonio Brown looks great. Oh, this is a cool story. He's back. He's looking great. Oh, he's fantastic. Oh, man. He's he's the answer. He's the reason why they're going to get another championship. And Antonio Brown reads that. And he sees that. And he knows it. But I think that this is, this is the end, though, Tim. This has got to be. There wasn't many other ways that he could have ended it other than this. This was the final nail in the coffin. If he would have just faked an injury, went to the locker room, and and just sat in the locker room and didn't put on this this whole show. Maybe maybe he'd be coming back and somebody would give him a chance eventually. Somebody would would take the shot on him. Maybe you can't quit in this mindset and this reality that we all live in on Tom Brady at the half and do that kind of thing and ever expect a chance again. So we're going to spend a lot of hour two talking about the playoff situation, but just in the few minutes we have left in, in hour one. When you look at two playoff teams that aren't two non-playoff teams, let's put it that way, your New York Jets out there on the East Coast, and um, we have friends that are Detroit Lion fans. So Dan Campbell, Robert Sala. I know this is year one. I get it, right, Tom? They're coming back, but are these the right guys? I, just the coaching mistakes that these these two guys have made this year. Are their teams just that bad, Tommy? Or are they just not the right guys for this job? And I hate to do a one-year test, but 
even Salah today, he looked like he didn't know what he was doing. Dan Campbell, many times this year, has looked lost as a head coach. Is it just bad teams, or is it a combination here? I thought before the year that Dan Campbell was the worst hire that I've seen in a very long time. I've turned it around here. I think the Lions have played well. I think they are playing inspired for him. You can't name a defensive player on that team. I mean, their defense is, is just in shambles. Yet, he put together some decent defensive performances, just on gut and guile. He's lost Jared Goff for parts of the year. He's playing with Tim Boyle, okay? Uh, DeAndre Swift is the best player, out for basically the entire year uh, since, what, week eight or nine. Uh, TJ Hawkinson, his best weapon, he's been out. He's doing things with Band-Aids, man. I think that Detroit's heading in the right direction. I, I can't believe it, but it is true. You come back next year, okay, and you're telling me that Dan Campbell gets a healthy Swift, a healthy Hawkinson, Penny Sewell for one more year, uh, a top draft pick here. You're going to be able to go get a defensive player. Go get them a quarterback. I think Detroit could be a 500 team as quickly as next year. I think Campbell may not be the right guy, and I didn't believe in him, but he's shown me a little bit that they could fight. Robert Sala is not the right guy. Robert Sala was somebody everybody was convinced that was going to be the guy, and I questioned it at the time. Robert Sala is a defensive mindset. He's a defensive mind. Do not say that, you know what, oh, the Jets are just losing. They lose in close games because the offense can't get it together. If that was the case, I would say, okay, that makes sense. Look, you got a rookie quarterback. You have almost no uh, help on the offensive side of the ball. But their defense has been atrocious. I mean, absolutely atrocious. And it's small things like the running game. You could run all over the Jets. Robert Sowell, that, that's a scheme thing, right? I mean, that is a pure scheme thing. And here's the thing. When Robert Sowell was out with COVID, the Jets played pretty much just as well. I think Robert Sowell is definitely not the guy. You want a young offensive mindset with a guy like Wilson. Dan Campbell is maybe the guy in Detroit. He hasn't gotten a fair shot. If you would switch the two, and Robert Sala was in Detroit playing decent defense with no defensive guys, and his problem was offense, I'd, I'd be saying, you know what? Look at what Robert Sala's doing with this with this team, and maybe he can stay. And if Dan Campbell was losing because, well, his defense, it would be flipped. You have to look at the way teams are losing, how they're doing it. I think Dan Campbell gets another year. I think he deserves another year. And I can't wait to see how the Lions, who could be a, a, a fun team next year, turn this around in the offseason. The New York Jets, it's going to be the same old Jets. The Jets are in a bad way. The Jets don't have a lot of help coming in. The Jets now have to draft perfectly. And even if they draft perfectly, I don't know if Robert Sal is going to be the guy to know what to do with those players. Tom, in the last five minutes before the top of the hour, Jacksonville, the the number one job right now for, for the next season and, and they gave up a 50 spot today to the Pats but you know they, they've look the season's been over for a long time but the names just the the, the names that, that uh, are being thrown about as candidates for this job they got to do it right right Tommy they got a, a young quarterback a young team Khan's got to do this right he's got to do it right but you said the best uh, job Look, it hasn't been announced yet, but I think the Chicago Bears job is going to be at just as attractive, if not more. The Bears have more talent on both sides of the of uh, the ledger. The Bears are in a division where Minnesota might be losing Kirk Cousins very soon, and Dalvin Cook is, uh, you know, doesn't have any more than two three years left. The Lions are still in the basement. All you got to got to have to go up against is Green Bay, who may be losing Aaron Rodgers. Um, I think the Bears job is the most attractive job, but 
yeah, you do have a lot to walk into there in Jacksonville. Uh, Khan has to do it right. But Khan has shown that he's never done it right. I, I mean, he the going out there and finding Urban Meyer and going out there and thinking that you're smarter than every other organization was Khan's problem. That was Khan's fault in the beginning. So who's doing it right here? Who are you going to bring in? Khan is the kind of guy that will go against the grain here. And that is a problem. Now, it may work out going against the grain. But I think he's going to go for name recognition because he's a star, you know, water, right? He likes yep. name recognition. I just watched his yacht in Key West. Somebody said, you know, what's this giant yacht? It was a ridiculous size yacht in Key West. Um, I follow all the Key West pages and somebody said, yeah, that's Connie's down here every now and then. He likes that. He likes to be huge and be seen and get the applause. He's going to go after the big name, not the guy that works best with this team. He's not going to go after a Brian Dable who could probably turn Trevor Lawrence into an MVP candidate. No, Brian Dable isn't the big enough name for him. I fully expect him to go after somebody that uh, Byron Leftwich is the guy I think should go in there. I think Byron Leftwich gives them a little bit of Jacksonville flavor. Not like Jacksonville has this huge history, but Byron Leftwich brings some of that. He's an offensive you know, guru who could work with Trevor Lawrence. He's a for, former quarterback, a former first round pick, so he knows the kind of the stress with it. I think uh, Brian, Byron Leftwich is a perfect fit. But Byron Leftwich, Brian Dable, these guys aren't big enough names for him. He's going to go out there, and he's going to make a massive, massive splash. He's going to go out there and probably make the wrong splash. Tom Barton, Tim Unglesby, Heatwave Sports here on a Super Sunday night. In hour two, we'll look at the current NFL playoff picture as there are just three spots left out of 14. 11 clinched, three to go. We'll break down today's games and look at the playoff picture as it sits after week 17. On the other side of the timeout, Heatwave Sports, Fox Sports Radio. We're back, hour two, Heatwave Sports, Super Sunday night, Fox Sports Radio, Las Vegas, 989 FM, 1340 AM. We're over on Twitter at HW Sports at Tom Barton Sports. And next weekend lines up this way. We are off next Saturday night as the Golden Knights take on the Chicago Blackhawks over at T-Mobile Arena. Mark andre Fleury, his first return to Las Vegas since being traded away in the offseason. So we're off Saturday, but back uh, one week from tonight, Sunday night, for the Week 18 NFL show. So, Tommy, we have Week 17 now, and... 14 spots available. The number one seed gets a bye into the second round. 11 of those spots are gone, Tom, so three left. And um, like I said at the beginning of the show, the Steelers involved in a battle for one of those three spots tomorrow night. So a loss by Pittsburgh, and they're out. Team's just dwindling. But it's just been crazy the last four weeks with the COVID and players missing. And um, You've seen teams like my Ravens, Tommy, not officially eliminated, but basically they have a 3% chance of making the playoffs. And a lot of that has to factor in with COVID and, and the loss of Lamar Jackson, and they've lost five straight games. And they played well today. Uh, you know, they played really well today. And you said it. Look, coming into the day, 24 teams still had a chance at the playoffs. 24 teams uh, because of the seventh playoff spot. Uh, still a lot of teams vying for it. Can, can we just – come to the conclusion here and then i've said it for about baseball and people still arguing it uh the extra playoff spot has been just 
a mistake, <laughs> right? I mean, it's been a mistake. Either the Vikings or the Saints are going to get in or the Dolphins or, or, you know, the Raiders. Sorry, Raider fans. I mean, it, it's been a mistake. But you think, okay, a team like Baltimore that is that absolutely just stacked should be able to get in. And, and COVID, COVID has ravaged them. Injuries have ravaged them. I still would say this. With a healthy Baltimore team, they can beat anybody in the league. And a healthy Baltimore team, if they squeak in with that 3%, which they won't, no offense to him. Uh, right. But if they squeak in with that 3%, I would take Baltimore on a betting angle and say, you know what? They might go all the way. That's how ridiculous this, this season has been for the Ravens. As for Pittsburgh, I thought Pittsburgh was going to have a winning record before the year began. I thought Pittsburgh was that team that you look at and you go, they always seem to have a winning record. They always seem to be that team. They always seem to be okay. That tie is the difference maker if they were able to win that game against Detroit instead of getting a tie I think that Pittsburgh would go on to having a decent season uh, getting into the playoffs but again even if they squeak into a seven seed anybody have any confidence in the Pittsburgh Steelers you know this is a spot where the seven seed in this position in both of the leagues whoever's getting that seven seed they're not going to lose they're going to go out there and get absolutely smoked in well, let's kind of dissect rather than go game by game, which we always do. Let's just kind of dissect the teams that are in, and, and then look at the possibilities, depending on what happens next week. We'll, we'll start in the NFC, where Green Bay is locked in as the one seed, thirteen and three tonight. Tommy on on Sunday Night Football, they just embarrassed a uh, Minnesota Viking team, thirty-seven to ten, and, and they've been on a roll for here for a minute. So they'll finish. They'll finish. Um, 8-0 at home, 13-3 overall, as I said. But they're the number one seed out there in the National Football Conference. Are they the best team in the National Football Conference at 13-3? At they, they seem to everything going right in their right direction right now, Tom. They're healthy. Rodgers is, is playing well. And they're winning. They're winning convincingly. Uh, not even close. I mean, we've seen this year after year with Aaron Rodgers and now year after year with Matt LaFleur tremendous amazing regular seasons and then they fail in the playoffs and look coming into this game remember yeah they they put on a clinic tonight without Kirk Cousins okay and with a Minnesota team that is missing their best defensive player in Danielle Hunter their second best defensive player in Everson Griffin Barr is banged up they're also having a banged up Thielen they had a banged up Dalvin Cook no Kirk Cousins I mean you know let's not make too much about this coming into today the Packers were allowing 29 points per game over the last month of the season. Their defense is vastly overrated. Their defense is a, a defense that a good offensive team is going to drool at the idea of just being able to pick them apart. They can't stop anybody defensively. And the running game is a nice one-two punch. I like Dylan. I like Jones. I like what they bring on a running game. But they never devote to the running game. They just do nothing but put the ball in Rodgers' hands. Now, when you are looking at Aaron Rodgers, you go, well, that's great. But from a defensive coordinator standpoint, that's also a good thing because all we have to do is defend that. They are not – look, tonight should have been a running clinic. They, they should have had 200 yards rushing, uh, 100 yards from Dylan, 100 yards from Jones. They should have just pounded the ball. Instead, because it's Aaron's ego, you know, you got to give the ball to Aaron Rodgers all day long, even in a game that – he shouldn't even been in in the second half. I mean, it was ridiculous. So, is Green Bay the best regular season team? Yeah, they are. Were they the regular season team last year? Yeah, they were. 
were they the best regular season team the year before that? Yeah, probably they were, Tim, right? I mean, being a great regular season team is what Green Bay is known for. But I've said it before, and I say it again. Throughout Aaron Rodgers' career, guys, I have told you, he chokes in the playoffs, he's completely overrated, and he will fail again in the playoffs. I've been wrong one year. And the one year I was wrong, it took Jay Cutler getting hurt and Aaron Rodgers to barely beat Caleb Haney on a bad call to get him to the Super Bowl. So throughout Aaron Rodgers' entire career, I've been right every single year, except when it took a miracle bad call against Caleb Haney in a game that Jay Cutler was removed from. That's the only reason Aaron Rodgers has proven me wrong, ever. So here we go. We're doing the same narrative as we did last year, the same narrative as we did the year before that, the same narrative that we did 10 years ago with Ron Natty sitting right next to you. Aaron Rodgers is an absolutely fantastic regular season player. The Green Bay Packers are a fantastic regular season team. You go up against Tampa, you go up against even Dallas, Arizona, the Rams, any of these teams can pick you off. Now, I do think it's a weaker NFC than we've ever seen. I just have no confidence in Aaron Rodgers. So the two seed right now would be the the, uh, the mentioned Rams who hold the tiebreak over Tampa because of the win earlier this season. But the Rams, Tom, kind of in that battle for, for the, the division title with the Cardinals. So it's not like the Rams are going into a, a matchup next week with the 49ers at home uh, like a throwaway week. So this is important because the Niners are also involved in, in a playoff situation with St. New Orleans. So San Francisco has to win. The Rams have to win. And New Orleans has to win. And here's where like the, the some of the fun begins when you kind of look at these scenarios. And it's much, much worse in the AFC. But we're going to do the easy part first. So the Rams need to win to win the division. They have the tiebreak. Also, they want to keep the tiebreak over Tampa. But the Niners need to beat the Rams to make the playoffs or have to depend on, hopefully, the Saints losing next week. Yeah. Uh, this is a, a spot where, I mean, you could tell me that the Niners are a dangerous team. And they, they have the ability to be dangerous. But whether it's them or the Saints, does it really matter? I mean, does it, does it really matter? The Rams... They have problems going on the road. They showed it today against Tyler Huntley. So, to me, the Rams need this kind of thing. Weirdly, I've been down on the Cardinals all year. I have bashed the Cardinals. I had Ed Smith on the show, and we talked about we didn't believe in Kingsbury. Um, but the, the Cardinals can travel. They have that kind of team that can travel because Kyler Murray is a, is a guy that can play in the cold. He can play on the road. You Look at what they did today, right? I mean, they played well. The Rams are not a traveling team. But the Rams did show they could go kind of into Green Bay and play them well, even without Aaron Donald last year. So, you know, I, I know that we're talking about positioning and, and where they all land and whatnot. It's going to be who can go on the road because Green Bay secured that number one. I have more. I, look, I think that the Rams are a better team than Arizona, but I have more faith in Arizona going on the road and winning a game against whoever they're going to have to go on the road against. So. You look at this and you go, if Arizona can can win out, if the Rams get the number two uh, get the number two seed, it's all speculation at this point. But eventually, you're going to have to win a game on the road, or uh, you, you're probably going to have to win a game on the road. Who do you who do you like better, Tim, on the road? Do you like a Rams team or do you like a Cardinals team? Yeah, no, that's absolutely. I, I would I would tend to favor the Rams, right, Tom? 
I think they're the better team, but I I think the Cardinals travel. Mm-hmm. You know, I think the Cardinals can travel. Look, Matthew Stafford is a train wreck. Look at what he did today. You know, I put out a tweet today at Tom Barton Sports, and I was like, could you imagine people actually had Matthew Stafford in the MVP conversation? It's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. Matthew Stafford is a train wreck. He has no playoff pedigree. He doesn't beat good teams consistently. Oh, okay, he beat one team in like 90 tries. Uh, that was five games over 500. So he doesn't beat good teams. He doesn't play well on the road. He melts down all the time, and he has no playoff record. You trust him, or do you trust Kyler Murray, who's going to go, you know what, look, I'm healthy now. I can run around. Kyler Murray has some big road wins on his ledger already in his young career. I, you know, I understand the McVay against Kingsbury thing is massive, uh, but I don't I, look. I don't like either one of these teams winning a game on the road. But while the Rams are the better team, I think the Cardinals can win a game on the road. Well, you know, it wasn't Stafford that won today. Beckham Jones won that game for him it, completely. We know that. We watched that one, and uh, yeah, you know, here here's the thing: eleven Stafford's interceptions, eleven interceptions the last eight games, Tim, for Stafford. Yeah. yeah. 11 interceptions in the last eight games. He's got 15 interceptions on the season. Stafford's gun shy. Kyler Murray's not. There's a big difference there. I know Murray hasn't done it in the postseason. That doesn't mean anything. Stafford hasn't either, Tom. Stafford hadn't been there. How many times has he been to the postseason, right? So the pressure mounts. Yeah, so that's a... That's a good angle to look at. But what what about the situation here is that Tampa's right behind as a three-seed right now. They've already won the division. But they still have something to play for, right, Tom? Because if San Francisco does beat the Rams next week and Tampa does win, all of a sudden Tampa slides into that two spot. And, um, I, I, you know, looking at next week's games, I kind of like Tampa even even on a spread, nine-point nine line against the Panthers. I think this is not a game where they just, just uh, cash it in because they play the same time the Rams play at 130 next week. You know, Brady just hit – 40 touchdowns again today. He's, he's going to pass 5,000 uh, 5, yards next weekend. I love Tampa Bay next weekend. And look, they could easily move into that two spot. I like Tampa Bay. I do have my concerns. First of all, they're not fully healthy. You now lost Antonio Brown. Now, Mike Evans was back. It'll be interesting to see how, he- how healthy Mike Evans is going to be. But you're not getting Godwin back here, right? I mean, he's not magically walking through the door. So they, they do need to kind of make sure that Mike Evans is 100% if he has any kind of problems. He was supposed to be on a limited snap count today. They wound up using him uh, more than I believe that they should. But at the end of the game, in the pressure situation, Mike Evans wasn't the guy. That's first of all. Second of all, this defense, that Jonathan Taylor was afraid to run on them. Remember that that game against um, uh, Indianapolis where Frank Reich just basically called up plays where Jonathan Taylor literally was not going to run against this defense because they were so good. Well, they have given up 4.6 yards per carry in five of the last seven games. The Jets ran all over them today. I worry about this defense, Tim. You've always been able to pass on them. All year long, you could pass on this defense. But somehow, some way, they're finding running room against this team. Now, Carolina is not a good team by any stretch of the imagination. I think that next week, more than likely, Tampa Bay is going to be one of my top plays. I think they absolutely go out there and they annihilate this team. But... There are some wrinkles in Matt Rule's game. There are some things that he does. 
he's bringing Cam Newton in as a short yardage back, and he's uh, you know bringing in Walker, and he's he's switching things up. And I mean, they are doing just some creative, ridiculous things because you know what? Why not? Rules' job is safe. He doesn't have a quarterback for next year, so why not take a shot at all these players? Um, I can see Carolina playing close for a little while. I think Tampa Bay does absolutely, uh, you know, win next week. Probably covers the the spread. Probably wins this one pretty big going away. But I am a little hesitant to get fully on this Tampa Bay bandwagon. I, I told you I had them going to the Super Bowl before the year began, but I'm a little hesitant to have Tampa Bay going all the way because this defense right now they just look bad. They just look flat out bad. We are we. When you look at a Tampa team, it's a situation of will they be healthy enough, Tom, to make that run through the playoffs? Mike Evans, like I said, Godwin's not coming back. Gronkowski looks like he's healthy. That's okay. So you have Mike Evans. Who's the next guy up? Right? I mean, is it Perryman? Is that? Look, if you watch the end of the game today, that you know, it's great that Brady came back down and won that game. But two drives before that, guys uh, – Cameron Brake caught the, the touchdown. The drive before that, a guy dropped it in the end zone, uh, right on his numbers. Play before that, guy dropped it in the end zone. I mean, Brady could put it on you, but you got to be able to catch it. And this is not a team that is sitting back and 100% healthy. I get it. You add a Leonard Fournette, you add a healthy Mike Evans, but I think the Godwin loss is pretty big. And now, look, Antonio Brown was playing that Godwin role. I'm not telling you that he could have been Chris Godwin. But that takes a lot away. You're taking away a lot of weapons from a Tampa Bay team. The reason why we all liked Tampa Bay before the year began was because they were coming back fully intact and fully healthy. Well, Levante David's missed time this year. They've missed cornerbacks this year. Right now, Leonard Fournette is out. Mike Evans is playing at half speed. Chris Godwin's out for the year. They are banged up all over the field, Tim. So next week, yeah, sure, you can win. But the week after that, when they go out there and they're going to have to take on a decent team, uh, I, you know, I'm a little worried about this team, not because of Brady, but because of the defense. Next up right now will be the four seed Dallas NFC East champions. So they'll get the, the first round playoff game on their home field. But the loss today to the Cardinals, we just talked about, about Kyler Murray and the Cardinals. The loss today affected their seeding, Tommy, and essentially even to move out of that four spot, you need the Rams to lose and the Bucks to lose next week, and they have to beat the Eagles on Saturday. Could it happen? Absolutely. But, again, you're playing percentages here, so most likely Dallas will begin the playoffs at home against the five seed, which right now, Tom, would be the Cardinals. I was going to say, we could have a repeat of that game, and, you know, that's a game that I think the Cardinals could win again, Tim. It's a, Kyler Murray just adds that matchup problem where if people are, you know, if you're, you're in a concerned situation, well, Murray's going to take off, and he's going to run, and he's going to scramble, and he's going to make things happen. Um, that five seed could also be the Rams. Look, I think Dallas has had a great year, uh, but I talked about this this morning on my Water Bet show on, on SGN. And I, I look at Dallas, and I go, you know, we're all kind of shrugging it off that Dak Prescott's in a, a slump. Ha, ha, ha. He's in a slump. Well, this slump has lasted a long time, Tim, right? And <laughs> Pollard has been banged up. Okay. Well, he's not all of a sudden going to get healthy. Ezekiel Elliott has been on a downtrend here for the second half of the year. You think he's all of a sudden just going to going to find himself? CeeDee Lamb, who has more talent than anybody on the team, he got like three looks this week. He, he was non-existent for most of the game. Now they also 
look at this and they just lost another receiver right now. And you also have to start thinking about the rookie wall. I know Parsons has been great. I know Diggs has been fantastic. But we have seen as the year goes on, sometimes rookies just hit that rookie wall. It's a long season and even a longer season for rookies. I'm not telling you that it will happen, but there's enough doubt in my mind to tell you that Dallas may not get out of the first round this year. And it would be the same old Dallas, wouldn't it, Tom? Yeah, look, I mean, it's a good team. And that's what they are. They're a good team. But the only way you can convince me that Dallas is going to do big things this year is if Dak Prescott is playing at 100% and they're running backs. If Zeke and Pollard were playing like they were in the middle of the season and Dak was playing like that, but that's just not happening right now. And now you don't have any time to convince me. Today was the day. Today was the day where I needed to see, because look, last week Dak looked great, but against a banged up team, right? Today was the day I needed to see you. I needed to see Dak look good, the offense look good, and then you go, okay, well, well, here they are. They're, they're back here. Who cares if they go out and they look good next week, right? Who cares? Do, do you believe in them? So we're looking at this, and I'm going, all right, Dallas, let's just say they're going to be up against the Cardinals or the Rams, which is the more likely scenario, right? I, I could argue in both of those cases that the Cardinals and the Rams should be favored. Now, they won't be but they'll be a very small underdog, and I'm looking at the points. I mean, that's where I'm at, you know, at with the Dallas Cowboys. We're not talking about, could you win the Super Bowl? I'm talking about, will you be eliminated in the first round? Then you have the Eagles, Tom. They've, they've clinched a spot. Right now, they would be the seventh seed. They can move up as high as six. What do you do in this situation? They play Dallas Saturday. Do you try to move up, and or do you play all your starters and hope to win and hope that the... Uh, the Saints knock off somehow find a way into that playoff spot or do you just rest everybody and, and prepare for week one it'll be either the Rams or the Bucks. Yeah, I'm never for throwing a game mm-hmm. um, I wasn't for it when the Colts did it and were sitting out Peyton Manning at the end of the year I'm never for throwing a game I'm never for not playing 100% I think that's how guys can get injured and you never know how matchups work out you never can tell how things kind of uh, are, are going to work themselves out they're a seven seed, right? So that means that, that they're going to go and they're going to take on potentially a Tampa Bay um, or, you know, whether it be the Rams or the Cardinals. You don't know what, the, what, what that shakeout is. I mean, are you targeting a team? You know, that, that's what I'm asking. Like, are, is there a team that you're like, okay, that's the team we want to face? Well, nothing is set in stone. I, I would be able to pull everybody out if uh, if if. The Eagles were in a position where they're saying, all right, we know we can beat this team. We know we can play well against this team. We've seen this team, and and I want that team. But if you're in a spot where you don't know who you're going to play, you still don't know. You could get Brady in Tampa. You want Brady in Tampa against Jalen Hurts? Come on. No, I don't do that. So there's one spot. We kind of briefly went over with the San Francisco side, Tom. They're at the Rams. They have to win, obviously, to make it. But... They could still get in with a Saint loss. The Saints are at Atlanta. A Saint win over Atlanta, and they're going to the playoffs. Who gets this last spot? I think San Francisco is dangerous. I think San Francisco, uh, you know, is that team that can beat anybody uh, on any given day. I like what they are. I like what they do. Um, but I think it's a big ass to go out there and win next week if you don't have Jimmy Garoppolo. Trey Lance is exciting, and Trey Lance is going to have a decent career. Uh, there's nothing against Trey Lance here coming from me, but I think it's it's asking a lot for San Francisco. Now, next week, New Orleans takes on Atlanta. 
Atlanta's actually played pretty well. Atlanta uh, gave the Bills all they could handle today. Matt Ryan is playing the best football of his career, and that is including his MVP year. Um, he has had one interception over the last month of the season. He's never done that. It's the longest stretch of his career. So Atlanta is a viable threat, but they won't have pits. Okay, he went down during the game today. Atlanta should not come close to winning that game. New Orleans' defense is for real. I think the Saints win. And as much as everybody loves San Francisco, I think it's a big ask to ask San Francisco to win that game next week. I think the Saints are going to the playoffs. That's the NFC side of it. When we come back from the timeout, we'll look at the AFC side of it. Two spots up are open in the AFC and some room, wriggle room with this, with the uh, five teams that are in already. We'll look at those scenarios as well. When we come back, it's Heatwave Sports. It's Fox Sports Radio. We just broke down the NFC side of the playoff picture. As we move over to the AFC, uh, real quickly, Tom, though, big shows this week. I know you're going to be talking a lot about the, the uh, NFL playoff picture on on not only your podcast, not only your, your national shows. You got YouTube. You got a lot going on with Tom Barton Sports. Yeah, and TomBartonSports.com, guys. Um, I did my final numbers, Tim. And plus $14,000 and change if you're a member of mine uh, for the year. 59% winning percentage, which, again, wasn't my greatest season, but it's pretty in line with what I've done since I've come on the show uh, almost uh, more than a decade now, almost 12 years ago, and I've been being monitored for 12 years, and my, my average is just about 60%, so I'm right on, on target for my average. Um, the NBA has surprisingly been ridiculously good to me. I'm 10-0 so far in the NBA this year. Overall, oh, almost 70% in the NBA over the last two, 2021. TomBartonSports.com, NHL, over 70% for the season of 2021. And look, I just keep going on and winning consistently. This is not numbers that I'm just throwing out there. Um, they are calculated. You could go do the research. You could go check it out. I'm monitored on multiple sites. So 59%, uh, I'll, I'll take it anytime. And like I said, my membership's $100 a month. So if you use my money management program and everything else, I don't ask you what you're doing if you're just going by that. So it's $100 a month. You would pay me basically $1,200 a year and the return is $14,000. That That is in stone. You could go check that out anywhere uh, that I am monitored. That's TomBartonSports.com. YouTube, like I said, guys, you know, I got a couple videos up on the Hall of Fame, which is kind of cool this week. I'm going to be doing some more of that and we're going to talk about the playoff picture my problems with the seven seed and what that all is on my YouTube channel. It's Tom Barton Sports on YouTube. I can really use the subscriptions, guys. So go watch it uh, and subscribe to the channel. It takes about two minutes. It doesn't cost a penny. If you're somebody that's like, hey, Tom, you know what? I, I, I like what you're doing out there. Just, just go to the YouTube channel, press that. And then I have my podcast. Look, if you like Ivy League basketball, I do an Ivy League. Believe in the Ivy League. I also have a Believe in Betting podcast. And wagering week which is my number one podcast i've been doing now for over a year we do have quite a few subscribers on that so guys check it all out go go see and and support me if you like what i'm doing here on the air the only way i can continue to do this is by getting those other things up and running so tombartonsports.com i'd love you to be a member there if you're not into sports betting and you just want to listen to some sports go check out the youtube channel tombartonsports.com 
or any of the podcasts, Believe in Betting, Wagering Week, or my Believe in the Ivy League podcast. Tell you what, Tom, and not to, to uh, as our friend Ron likes to always say, not to kiss your ass, but I love the YouTube. I love when you when you went over there because I think, uh, look, I'm sure your kids watch YouTube. My daughter watched YouTube, and they're they're quick, short videos, but they're full of of information, and, and they're current. You know, and it's not that not that the shows you podcast aren't current, but sometimes people only have a certain amount of time to um, listen to something. Or maybe they're only interested in a certain subject you're talking about. And, and when you go to YouTube, it tells you exactly what you're getting, right? You have an 8 to 10 minute video. This is exactly what it's about. And you watch it and you, and you get your information from it. And, and of course, I like, seeing, I like seeing you on TV, though, Tom. But th- th- it's been great. You know, you started with the college basketball previews and it's just steamrolled. Oh, thanks. And, you know, it is pretty funny you mentioned our kids. Uh, my son is legitimately helping me out here. He, you know, my son's going to turn 8 in two weeks. And my son legitimately is is out there and going, all right, Dad, look, this is what you need to do. And he's giving me pointers about YouTube. And it's kind of funny. You know, he said, Dad, when you hit 100 subscribers, you know, you have, you have to do some little celebration. I said, oh, okay, what do we do? Then, Dad, you hit 1,000 subscribers. I said, yeah, I got 1,000. All right, well, you got to give something away. <laughs> and I said, is this what people do? Well, this is what they're doing. I said, okay. Now he's trying to get me to do longer videos. And I said, look, I, I like my 10-minute spurt kind of videos. Uh, it's better. He said, no, 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 you could go longer. You could go longer. So I am following the advice of an eight-year-old. <laughs> and the, the funny thing is when I, when I started this uh, venture down uh, into YouTube, um, in order to get monetized, you need a thousand uh, you know, subscribers. And in order to, to go that route, you need a thousand subscribers. And, and thousand is, is kind of the big thing. And I asked YouTube, I said, how long does it take? They said, they said, on average, you could expect to get a thousand subscribers in about two years. They said, if you're really good, you know, within a year, you could get a thousand subscribers. It took me three and a half weeks. So <laughs> apparently that I'm doing something right now. Now, the growth after that is a little bit slow, but I'm doing something right here, Tim, because I got uh, about, a, uh, about 11 or 1200 subscribers now in about a month. So I do like the YouTube. It's, it's a different forum. It's something I could post right away, an instant reaction kind of thing. So I've never had that in my radio career because even when I was on daily, you still have to wait till your time slot comes up. So this is a, a brand new venture for me. Little Tommy's right though, Mr. Barton, when you get these landmark numbers, you have to do something. So for a thousand, you should probably have to like go on there and do the one chip challenge or something like that to, you know, reward all your great subscribers for their hard earned uh watching watching hours i guess you could put it or viewing hours well you know i've always gave away jerseys i always love to give away jerseys so you know that was going to be my thing i'll start giving away jerseys to to some member well i'll pick it i'll put all the members uh you know uh like in a database or something and i'll just randomly stop it and, and kind of just give away a jersey and if they could uh send me their address i'll send them a free jersey or something like that i was going to give a free subscription to tom barton sports uh, Tommy told me that would be too much work. <laughs> he said, ah, I would, I, that's too much work to go to another website and sign up. I, I, okay, so uh, again, following the advice of a seven-year-old at this point. So no doing like the bomb hot sauce challenge or anything like not, You're not going that route, huh? I'm not, yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, well, the, the next venture is, uh, is, is down the TikTok road. Now, I'm, not, I'm trying to prevent that. Look. <laughs> You know, 
there's there's like like 22 year old girls doing a cartwheel that has like eight million views. I get the appeal of it, okay, uh, but I ain't 22. I'm not a girl, and I can't do cartwheels, so yeah. I, I don't think we're gonna go down the TikTok road. <laughs> Fair enough. Let's look at the AFC. Uh, we'll start with the teams that were eliminated today. So Cleveland out, Tom, with their – they didn't play today, and they're out, obviously, with the Chargers winning and the Bengals winning. They pushed them out. And how about this, Miami? As much what, – what a season for the Dolphins, right? Up-and-down roller coaster, terrible start. They go on this – just a dramatic run, and they lay a huge egg today. And the reward for that loss, they're gone. They're out. Yeah, and they should be out. Look, I was pulling for Miami. I was pushing for them. I was trying to get people to believe in this Miami team. But you can't have the start that you had, uh, and, you know, and, and expect much. Look, I think Miami's doing the right thing. And I, uh, Miami Twitter exploded and get rid of two. Two will look good at times this year. Actually, week 10, 11, 12, and 13 this year, two had uh, – Nearly an 80% completion percentage. Timmy threw one interception in those four weeks. Miami was rolling. Miami looked good. And the difference is is that Waddle became kind of that outstanding player. Waddle and Gazeki are nightmare problems. But at the end of the day, what Miami lacks is just talent. Right? I mean, outside of Waddle, who's their number two? Devontae Parker's okay. Do you feel good about Miles Gaskins? And Duke Johnson has led the running attack. They don't have running backs. They need a secondary receiver um, on, on offense. On defense, they have excellent players, but they need that kind of that one guy to rush the passer. Wilkins is a good player, but they need that one pass rush specialist. They just don't have him. So I think Miami, this is the kind of year that you accept in Miami. Before the, Look, the way that the year went down is bad, but before the year, if I told you that this was going to be the year, that Week 17 was going to be the year that you know you get eliminated on the road against a good Tennessee team, that has the number one overall seed, and that's how you're eliminated, you go, all right, that's fine. That's a growth year. I think Miami has to look at this from a step back and say, okay, this was a growth year. I do believe Flores is the guy. I do believe Tua can be the guy. I believe that Miami just needs a couple or more pieces. Go get yourself a guy, and I like Miles Gaskins, but go get yourself a good running back, a secondary receiver, a pass rusher, and I think Miami could be right back in this position next year, except winning it and getting into the playoffs. All right, let's, let's eliminate Baltimore, even though they're 3%. Here, here's what they need to do to win, Tom. Here's what they need to do to get in the playoffs. they got to beat Pittsburgh in Week 18. Doable. Doable. Okay. You need a Dolphin loss next week against in New England. Doable. Doable. You need a Brown loss either tomorrow night against Pittsburgh or – Next week against Cincinnati. Very doable. Okay. Still two more legs here to go. You need a Charger loss in Las Vegas against the Raiders. It's going to be tough, but okay. That could happen. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm checking these off with you. I'm on board. Here's the, here's the bad one. You need a Colt loss against Jacksonville. Not at. Yeah. Not at. It's over. Four or five. Over. Yeah. Four out of five. Doesn't get you anywhere, though. <laughs> no, no, it doesn't. Right. And, and, yeah, you're going to come up just short there. Yeah. All right, let's move ahead then to the, 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 uh, the situations where we can control. So, essentially, the matchup here in Vegas at, at the uh, Legion Stadium, Chargers-Raiders, the winner goes to the playoffs, correct? Is it? Or because Pittsburgh can still get in, can't they? Yeah, 
Um, yeah, what, what's the Pittsburgh scenario? Because the Pittsburgh scenario, like everyone keeps saying it's the Chargers Raiders is win and get in. Yeah, if the right. Chargers win, I think they're in. But if the Raiders win, I think Pittsburgh can leapfrog them. This, this is the, this is the Steelers situation. They need to win tomorrow, obviously. Yes. And they need to win um, against the Ravens. But they also need a Colt loss, so it looks like they're out. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. So, so that Colt game is, is every Okay. So it's a win and get in for between the Chargers and the Raiders. All right. Uh, you know, I, it, it's a tough game. Listen, Raiders played really well today. Really well today. Um, the Raiders are a team that just keep fighting, and they are finally going to what we talked about in the offseason. And Mike Mayock came out and talked about it in the offseason. We talked about it on the Las Vegas Raiders radio report. We talked about it multiple times. They've got to run the ball. And Mike Mayock said, we're going to run the ball. And then they just didn't. And Josh Jacobs is a guy that me and Chris Wynn kind of had it out on the air. And I said, Josh Jacobs right now is just not the guy because they don't believe in him being the guy. Well, last couple of weeks, he's been the guy and he looks really good. He looks good against the Colts today. He looked good last week. Um, and the Chargers have the worst rushing defense in the NFL, guys. The worst rushing defense in the entire NFL for most of the season since like week like five has been the Los Angeles Chargers. So if you can run the ball on the Chargers, you have a winnable game. This defense can't stop anybody on the ground. The problem is, again, I have no belief that the Los Angeles Ra- that the, the, the Las Vegas Raiders will continue to pound the ball. I have no belief in that. Now, today, with a banged-up Williams and a banged-up Melvin Gordon, the Denver Broncos should have just run it into the line uh, 50 times. I mean, it should have just been run all day long. But they got behind, they got out of their game plan, and we saw the Chargers kind of just dominate. So here we go. All of a sudden, you have a Raiders team. If you get behind a little bit, the gunslinger and Derek Carr, is he going to take over? Or are you in a position where you feel okay with just running Josh Jacobs and just committing to the run? If you commit to the run, the Raiders can win this game. The next team will be the Colts, and this one's easy too, Tom. The Colts beat the Jags, they're in. Colts will beat the Jags. Colts will beat the Jags and beat them up pretty bad. Um, Weirdly, the Jaguars' defense, the one thing they can do well because their defense is not very good. But the one thing they can do well, they do stop the run pretty well. They're a top 10 team against the run. So, I, you know, it's going to have to be more than, than Jonathan Taylor. But I'm looking at this from a defensive standpoint. Trevor Lawrence has two touchdowns in about two months here. So they're not going to be able to produce enough. And, and yeah, the Colts will win fairly easily. Uh, what is the line on that game? A second, and I looked it up. I, I, I know, would say, I would say, well, uh, look, I don't have it in front of me because when I looked at the lines before we came on, it, it wasn't a posted line. I will say they're gonna have Indy minus 13. Indy two touchdowns, is that what you think? I think so. Yeah, the line is 14 and a half, so you're there, okay? Yeah, yeah I, I, you know, and I don't know. Look, I'm not gonna take that, there's no way I'm taking that, but I don't know if I'm uh going against it either you know the jacksonville was humiliated this week i think they bounced back they play well i think they got one last game in them to kind of lay it all on the line you're gonna see flea flickers you're gonna see all kinds of crazy stuff at the end of the day the Colts win agreed i agree and i think it's hard i think the charges win here in vegas so there's your seven teams in the playoffs as far as i'm concerned but you know, I here's the thing. I want the Chargers to win. Not not against. Look, there's nothing against the, the Vegas Raiders. And watch everybody flip out now about that comment. <laughs> um, right. 
I, I want the Chargers to win only because I think that they can win some games in the playoffs. They can be kind of that. When the Chargers are playing well, they can beat anybody in the league. The Raiders, unfortunately, are a one and done. The Raiders are going to have to go on the road. They're going to have to go on the road and play who? Uh, a, a Kansas, Kansas City? City, probably. Yeah. Right? I, I mean, come on. You know, you're not going into Arrowhead in the playoffs. And I know the Raiders have had success, which makes it interesting. The Raiders have had success against the, them. And you know what? The Chargers would be the same position. The Chargers would have a lot of success, have had success against the Chiefs. But the, the Chiefs' dominance over the West, uh, you know, I guess it doesn't really matter. You know, I was thinking that maybe the Chargers could win a game or two and, and be that entertaining team because of Herbert. But the Raiders' story is a good story. I have to tell you, you know, just from a story standpoint, all they've been up against and all they've been through this year, they're a good story. I just look at, you know, look, if it's the Chargers, Chiefs are a nine-point favorite. If it's the Raiders, Chiefs are like a 13-point favorite. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, <laughs> that's, that's just reality. They own the division. They beat up on everybody in the division. They are going to be at home. It's going to be week one. If you guys were up against, you know, if they were up against Tennessee, a Buffalo, I, I could maybe see, you know, the Chargers pulling it out. Maybe I could see the Raiders getting up and playing a real good game against the Chiefs. It's just too much to ask. So let's look at the five in. At the bottom, you have Buffalo, New England. Buffalo can clinch the East with a win next week. I, I think that happens. But long term, let's let's just look at the playoff situation. Let's look at the road in the playoffs. When you look at the Bills and you look at the Patriots, uh, just an unbelievable job by Belichick this year, as always. You know, we're gonna we always give the man props where they're at. Could could New England still win this division? They can. They need help. But look, Buffalo, New England are in. But I, I don't know, right, Tom? That we're saying neither one of these teams is your favorite to win the AFC. I I kind of like both, Tim. I do kind of like both. I think Kansas City, um, I don't want to call them frauds, but I think that we have been talking about their defense for far too long, and, and I don't believe in their defense in the playoffs. I definitely do not believe in Tennessee. I, I know that their defense has played well. I don't see Ryan Hill winning big playoff games. I don't see Joe Burrow in Cincinnati as good as they have looked, and man, have they looked good. I don't see Joe Burrow in Cincinnati with this deep playoff run to get this, to the Super Bowl. I think they're all susceptible to, to getting picked off here. Obviously, Kansas City makes sense. Tennessee has been good. I get it. But there are problems with all of them. The coaching advantage will be in Bill Belichick's back pocket. But I don't love Mac Jones in the playoffs. The Bills are inconsistent. But the most electrifying player <laughs> you know, in all of the NFL right now is Josh Allen. He's the most electri electrifying player in the NFL. And the, the Bills have everything to make a good, deep run here. I picked the Bills before the year to get to the Super Bowl from the AFC. There were times where I doubted it, but I, I never fell off of it with the Bills. The Bills' defense is vastly underrated. The Bills can do a lot of good things. And now that the Bills win this division, they're getting home games. It's going to come down to that kind of that one game. I don't have any problem. You know, you look at the Bills. Who are they going to take on in the first round? You know, uh, uh, who's who are they going to take on? Maybe New England. All right. Well, that could be a problem. You know, yeah. uh, you know. And then you go, well, if New England gets by, well, now they're they're a problem. I think both of these teams can go deep, but I do think that it's setting up. 
if I'm not mistaken, it's setting up that they both play each other in the first round. Correct. That that's probably what's going to happen. Yes. Which which is a shame because I could see that being the uh, AFC Championship game. I mean, that's how I do. I believe in both of these teams, Tim. I you know, I think that both of the I I would put the Bills and New England head to head against Tennessee, the number one overall seed, and I'll take the Bills in New England both over Tennessee. The Bills in New England both over the Cincinnati Bengals. Despite what happened today, I'm taking them both over the Bengals. I'm taking them both over every team in the AFC, with maybe the exception being Kansas City, and I think it could be a toss-up. So the Bengals, Tom, division winners, three seed now, and this would be the scenario. They can still technically jump into the one seed. They would have to win. You need a Tennessee loss, a KC loss, and a New England loss. Or scenario two would be win, Buffalo win, Tennessee loss, Kansas City loss. A lot has to happen here. They could get to the one seed, but most likely they're locked in at three. Joe Burrow's been unbelievable the last few weeks. Uh, But you see them maybe a first-round win, but then once it gets into the semifinals, that's where they're going to run into some problems. Well, here's the thing. I've been talking about the Bengals' defense for a while. They are number four in the NFL against stopping the rush coming into this week, right? So, you know, you you look at this team, you go, man, they do a lot of things well, but the teams that they would have to go up against when the playoffs get deeper, they throw the ball. Kansas City throws the ball. The Buffalo Bills throw the ball, right? Um, Cincinnati is a defense that can be thrown on. And when I see a glaring weakness on a team, that, that's a problem. Cincinnati has plenty of offense. Cincinnati can run the ball. Cincinnati's offensive line is a little bit weak, so you could get after them. And Cincinnati, you can throw on them all day long. So it's 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 a matchup nightmare. It's a matchup problem. If Cincinnati takes on Tennessee, Cincinnati's going to win that game because they could shut down the run, uh, well, at least slow down the run with the Derrick Henry, who we don't know his condition coming back. I think Cincinnati can win that game. Cincinnati just showed they can win the game against Kansas City, but now you got to go and do that twice, two times in Arrowhead, two times against Kansas City. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't see that being the case either. I think Buffalo matches up really well with them. Actually, I think Buffalo can throw on them. So, I like the Cincinnati conversation today. It's a fun one to have. People talk about Cincinnati Super Bowl. It wouldn't shock me because Joe Burrow is just that good. But I do see some glaring holes where deeper into the playoffs it'll be a problem. Who are they matching up with uh, in the first round right now? The Colts? Right now it would be the Colts, correct. I think the Colts win that game. Yeah. You know, and, and, you know, I get it. Jonathan Taylor can be slowed down. uh, But that defense is pretty good over there for the Colts. I think the Colts could win that game. I don't know if I'm taking it, you know, but I'm making the Bengals. What are you making the Bengals? Three-point favors, three-and-a-half? Yeah, let's say three and a half at home. Okay. I, I mean, I, I think that's a great game. A great game. But I'm not just automatically writing the, the Bengals in to the next round. So that is a, a team where the conversation today is that the Bengals go in the Super Bowl, and I'm having the conversation that they might be out in the first round. So that takes us to one and two. So Tennessee and Kansas City are tied, but KC or Tennessee has the tie break based on the win earlier this season. Uh, it's amazing what Rabel's been able to do with his team, just battered with injuries. And, you know, I always thought they played the overachieving card all year long. And yet I sit with you and I look at this this bracket. I have no faith in Tennessee whatsoever, Tom. None. Um, I think their defense is, is a smoke and mirrors defense. It came in 
to the season, just 28th in passing last year, and then they were 24th in passing for a lot of the year. Um, and all of a sudden, it just turned around. Well, it turned around, and you start to look at the quality of opponents, and it makes a little bit of sense. Tennessee gets to play, and, and I'm not saying it's just strictly about this, but Tennessee gets to play Trevor Lawrence twice a year, Davis Mills they played twice this year, uh, you know, and that Houston attack, and Carson Wentz when he was banged up. They already played him once, and then you know, in the second game, they actually had a pretty good game. Uh, their their defense is solid, but let's calm down. You know, the last two weeks they beat a run-first San Francisco team and Jimmy Garoppolo, who was banged up, and they just beat Tua and the Dolphins. And we're, we're making the world beaters. We don't know how Derrick Henry's going to come back. We don't know if Julio Jones is going to come back. A.J. Brown is still hampered. And Ryan Tannehill, Ryan Tannehill's not winning big playoff games. So the only way KC, they can still get the one seat, Tommy. They need to win against Denver on Saturday. But they need Tennessee to lose against Houston on Sunday. So we're assuming that these those two will lock in at 1-2 and Cincinnati 3. I'd say, was, would this be the top five with the way the setup's right now? Tennessee, KC, Cincinnati, Buffalo, New England. No change there after this weekend? Yeah, I think that's pretty safe. Which is a shame that Buffalo is going to have to take on New England for a third time. Because this could be the AFC Championship game. I really do believe that. And the Bengals-Colts is going to be a great game. And then Kansas City is going to take on, you know, the, the, the AFC West. So we have the playoffs set in the AFC. KC, KC Chargers. We've, we've already seen this matchup twice, Tom, right? We know Chargers can beat them. I can't say the same about the Raiders. No. Uh, the Chargers can play well. Justin Herbert can get red hot and get on fire. Look, Derek Carr can also. But I think that the matchups are just vastly, vastly different. Um, I would be hesitant to take the Chiefs, but I probably will would take them even minus the points against the Raiders. I'm sorry. I just don't think that, can, that the Raiders have much of an opportunity there. I, it's just a mismatch. So, again, that's why I said earlier in the show, I'm hoping the Chargers win. Not an anti-Raiders thing. Just think that there'll be a better game and a better shot to knock off Kansas City, who I want to be knocked off. So you've already said you like Buffalo in the playoffs. You said at the beginning of the year you like Buffalo. You like Josh Allen with the MVP. So it doesn't change, right, Tom? We don't even have a bracket technically, but you like Buffalo out of the AFC and you like who in the NFC? I, I still got to go with Tampa. Um I worry about their defense a lot. I really do. But Rodgers chokes in the playoffs. Dak Prescott's in a slump, quote-unquote, right? I, I do look at this Arizona team and say maybe they could get hot, but they're young, and Kingsbury's going to hold them back. He's a bad coach. You look at the Rams, I definitely don't have any confidence in Matt Stafford. Um, interesting enough that the Saints might be the reason why I don't love Tampa here because if the Saints take on Tampa in the playoffs, we know how that can go. Um, and the Tampa Bay Bucks are banged up, and their defense isn't good. I think it's wide open in the NFC, absolutely wide open. If there was a year that Green Bay could get there, this should be it. They are playing the best, and everyone is having problems in the NFC. This should be the Packers' year. Uh, I just don't think it will be. And by the way, I didn't mention Philly for a reason. Philly is the biggest fraud of any playoff potential team right now. Yeah. You, you've called that since the beginning of the season. So I love the fact that they're in the playoffs because I don't care who is up against them. I am absolutely pounding 
anybody against Philadelphia. Well, Tom, right now, we, we, right now round one would be Tampa, Philadelphia. So there you go. Tampa minus 30. <laughs> okay. Well, when we come back in one week's time, we'll know the official matchups for the NFL playoffs after week 18 next week. So on the way out, Tom, again, give out all, give out everything. Where can we find Tom Barton? You're everywhere, man. Oh, you guys, of course, can find me at SGN Networks, uh, hashtag SGN, uh, Sports Card Network. Uh, you guys can find me at Believe in Betting, Believe in the Ivy League, and the podcast is all of them, all my podcast networks. You could just type in Tom Barton, you would get all three of my podcasts. And, of course, the YouTube channel, Tom Barton Sports over on YouTube. And, guys, make sure that you go check out and make sure that you go go and sign up. It's a brand new year. Give me the shot. It's TomBartonSports.com. It's 100 bucks. I don't ask for commission. I don't call you up. I don't try to upsell you. No. The plays are the plays. Tim, I gave out less than 15 level 4 plays all of 2021. I've given out two level 4 winners in the last two days. I can't guarantee that'll continue to happen. But man, I am absolutely on fire right now. I am rolling. I just had a fantastic December. I finally got a real good hold of uh, the NFL, and the NFL has been red hot. Go check it out. It's TomBartonSports.com. Tommy, we'll talk to you next week, my man. Have a good week, everybody. Tom Barton, TomBartonSports.com. He said it. Give him a shot. 99 bucks gets you a week, a month's free service. And you know what? If you mention Heat Wave Sports in the comment box, Tom will give you a fifth week absolutely free. So 100 bucks gets you all the selections. And Tom did hit a level four parlay on the NHL just two days ago. I'm the proof that it happened. So until next Sunday, Tim Unglesby and Brian, Tom Barton with you. Have a great sports week. We'll talk to you then. It's Heat Wave Sports. It's only on Fox Sports Radio, Las Vegas, 98.9 FM, 1340 AM. Good night. <laughs>